living the dream. Well, today, we're, well, this uh, month, we're talking about Reach Our World. And this morning, I, I've titled it, and I've got two, two parts to this message. Uh, and so this morning, I thought I would start it off, and I, I've called it just lost. You know, we live in a lost world. We live in a generation where there are lost people. Who realizes that? You know, that are all far away from God, that don't know God. That's the definition of lost when it is in biblical terms. Is that they're away from God. They're lost. They're lost of revelation of who God is and what He can do for your life. And so this morning I really want to talk about this. Is that, you know, as Christians we have to have a heart for the lost. We have to have a heart for the individual. We have to have a heart for those that don't know God. For those that don't know God. That haven't received a revelation of who God is. Um, tonight we've got baptisms coming up, but this more, uh, yesterday we had the privilege of baptising a young girl uh, for her birthday, Bianca. And I was talking with Gustav, her father. Come on up. And he was just telling me is that we haven't seen him around for a while during the week. And, and Gustav, you know, he's larger than life. And, so, and, and, you know, if he's not around, you do miss him. Yeah. Look at this. Uh, <laughs> Can't you tell he's South African? Don't talk about South Africa. Okay. Don't the rugby didn't rugby. look good. <laughs> but, but as we were there yesterday, it was a great moment, you know, for family and, and friends as, they, as they, that took place. And then later we were talking about, and Gustav has taken a position in Melbourne. And so he flies to Melbourne every week for four days. And he's just taken on general manager of an organisation. And he was just saying the influence and the things that he's had and come across. And, and as he was sharing to me, I'm like, that's what we're supposed to be. Yeah. He was telling me about these things that he's been doing in his workplace and who he's been associating with. And, and I, I just stood there and we're like, well, okay, you need to speak. <laughs> because sometimes... We need to know from someone in the workplace. We need to hear from someone else besides someone like myself on how we reach our world. So just how about some testimonies of... 100%. He's got more. He's... <laughs> morning, church. It's a privilege to be here this, uh, this morning. And like he said, it's been almost three months that I've been traveling up and down to, to Melbourne. And geez, it's a cold place. <laughs> I'm struggling to... Uh, to get used to the weather there. But um, yes, I'm working in a factory. There's about 70 people, 72 people. And as you know me, I'm from South Africa. And I've been a year, almost um, two years. And what I know about Australian and the workforce is basically what Sam taught me until I started working three months ago. And it's, it's, it's a big difference, actually, if you see workplace culture from South Africa and you compare it to Australia. And I had to come in at a very difficult time of the company, uh, at a changeover and ownership, and all of a sudden I have to build trust. Yeah. And these guys are looking, who are you? I'm talking differently. <laughs> I say saw and, it, and not sore. I saw you there. No, I, I just say I saw you. <laughs> and anyway, so there's a lot of differences in the culture, and all of a sudden there I am, I, and, 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 and I must build a relationship. And I must, you know, get these people to believe in me and where this company is heading, the vision. But one thing I realized, there's only one culture. 
and that's kingdom culture. That's the thing. When we're there in the workplace, and I've been missing out on some of the week, um, you know, getting together with the soul nights and stuff like that. So I'm sitting there. I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm not with my kids and my wife. And then I realize, you know, church is where I am. Church is where I am. So about a week ago, I've got two things to share. I've got plenty to share, actually, but two of the things. um, I decided to have a barbecue. And I'm going to bless them with burevors, some South African sausage. So they looked at me funny and they like, you know, thought of must they take the first one and then they came back for seconds. But there's a lot of other people also there, um, different religion, like different backgrounds, obviously, everything. So I had to pray for the food and I just decided I'm going to bless the business. And I prayed. And then Wednesday before I left, a lady came into my office and said, here's a confidential and private little letter that came through the post addressed to you. I thought, who knows I'm here? <laughs> and I opened the thing slowly and I thought, oh, I hope it's a, not a caravan that wheels came off or something. So I opened it slowly and it started with, may God bless you. So, wow, what is this? And I read the letter, and it was a two-page handwritten letter. I don't know when last you received a handwritten letter, but I haven't. And um, this lady is telling me, my son-in-law is working in your factory. His name is so-and-so. And she said, he told me what you did at a barbecue. He told me that you prayed in the name of Jesus. And I want to thank you for that. I've been praying for this and that, and she went on and she ended the letters with number six, blessing me and may the Lord keep me and all of that. And that was just a special moment when I, when I realized that one prayer for food, where I mentioned Jesus' name. Like my friend said, he says, Gustav, can you think what it meant to that person? I mean, going to your mother-in-law, of all people, <laughs> and then go and share with her that someone prayed and he mentioned Jesus' name. So that was wonderful. And we finished the barbecue, and there was another guy, and he was supposed to help us with something the next day, and he called us aside, and he said, "Um, I know I must help you tomorrow, but I've got a bit of a problem. My mother must go to hospital, and she might get her legs amputated. And this guy a week earlier mentioned that he's got problems with his son. He's hitting things and breaking walls. It's not difficult to break a wall in Australia, however. But... (laughs) He's breaking walls and stuff, and, and so, and my friend told him, he's in uh, City Point, Carindale, and he said to me, you know, what works for me, um, I'm a Christian, and I'm going to church and stuff, and that guy, about 50, I guess, said, I've never been in a church before, never been in a church before. Now, I personally never have met someone that's never been in a church before, and um, when he called us aside, he says, my mother must go to hospital for her legs. And I just decided, you know what, I can tell him, I will pray for him, I can tell him go to church, but he doesn't have a church. And I realized I am church. And I took him by the hand and I prayed for him. And he started to cry. And he just experienced something there and I realized that I'm there far from my home and I was wondering, am I doing the right thing? Isn't this for money? Is it for for what reason am I here in Melbourne? But I realized there and then, I'm there at the right place, at the right time, serving 
Jesus Christ. And I want you to encourage you. Let's take this kingdom culture out into Australia. I've read on Australia, 64% people claim they're Christians. But I also read or saw yesterday that one out of five people are on chronic pain medication. One out of five in Australia on chronic pain medication. That's about that section of the church this morning. So let's pray for God and let's take out this kingdom, take the kingdom culture to the people outside of the church. Amen. Thank you. I love hearing testimonies of individuals in the life of our church. Seeing how God is moving through individuals. And that's what God calls us to do. He calls us to reach the lost. He calls us to go out. He calls us to be in a place where, you know, instead of saying, hey, listen, how about you come to church? But how about I just pray with you right now? You know, more miracles will take place if you actually start praying for people. Do you realize that? The percentage actually gets higher. It does. But yet sometimes we are like, and this is what I find is more people will let you pray for you than not, for them than not. More people will let you pray for them if they have a need. If they, they will not deny prayer. They will not deny prayer. And so as you start to pray, pray for the Spirit of God to come around their life. Pray for healing. Pray for whatever the need is. But pray for the revelation of God to come around their life as well. So that they will be transformed. And so this morning, I've titled it Lost. is because we are here for the lost. And I want to take it up in Luke chapter 15. And really, if you look in Luke chapter 15, you will find... Three parables, really. You'll find the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And all these parables convey God's love for humanity. Do you realize that? These parables convey God's love for humanity. God's love for those that are lost. And if we can turn to Luke chapter 15, if we've got it there. Verse 15. And it's at a time where Jesus is sitting there and it says... Tax collectors and sinners were all crowding around and listening to Jesus. And so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law of Moses started grumbling. This man is friendly with sinners. He even eats with them. Then Jesus told them a story. If any of you has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will you do? Won't you leave the 99 in the field and go look for the lost sheep? until you find it. And when you find it, you will be so glad that you will put it on your shoulder and carry it home. And then you will call in your friends and neighbours and say, let's celebrate, I found my lost sheep. Jesus said in the same way, there is more happiness in heaven because one sinner who turns to God than over 99 good people who don't need I want to talk about this parable this morning. I want to talk about this story, this illustration that Jesus puts into play. We find here that there are religious leaders, they're they're looking at him and saying, hey listen, you know, he's sitting with sinners, he is there dining, he's celebrating with them, and then all of a sudden, Jesus starts to talk about this parable. I, I don't know if you've ever lost something. You know, if you lose something, you always find it. I've got, you know, four kids, and at the end of a service, they get brought up from city kids, and I am guaranteed to always lose one. 
Always. Without a doubt, there is one always missing. You know, you go to go home and there is always that one missing. You know, sometimes I just feel like, you know what, that one doesn't matter. Who knows, if I turned up home without having that one, that Carolina wouldn't be happy. You know, it's something about a mother that, is that they're not happy if I lose one of the kids. And so that one does matter. And it's the same with God. His heart is like that, is the ones do matter is the ones do matter, is that he is wanting us and he's waiting for us. You know, in Matthew 18, verse 11, talks about this, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. You know, Jesus himself came to save that which was lost. And here we find these guys, they're grumbling. You know, he's hanging out with undesirables. You know, this is what I find is that Jesus, you know, he never left anyone the same. He always challenged the status quo. Do you realize that? Throughout Jesus' life, he always challenged the status quo. He never left them the same. Is that in this parable, you know, he addresses the Pharisees. He addresses the religious leaders. But also, if you look at it, he always addresses the lost. You read through a number of stories throughout the Bible and throughout the New Testament, and you will find that the, the people would, you know, they would drag people to Jesus and, and, and they would condemn and they would judge and say, come on, Jesus, how about you judge them? You know what? He would sit there and it's the woman caught in adultery, for instance. Throw him before him, judge him. He just starts writing down and all of a sudden they start leaving. He addresses the Pharisees. He addresses the religious leaders. But then also, too, the sinner is left before him and he always addresses the sinner as well. What does he say? He says, where are your accused? No, well, I accuse you, but go and sin no more. And so we find Jesus, he always addresses both crowds. You know, the shepherd, the lost sheep. You know, this is a parable right now. He's addressing the Pharisees. He's addressing those. You know, if you want to reach the lost, you need to take responsibility for the lost. If we want to reach the lost, we need to take responsibility for the lost. The shepherd takes responsibility. We are called to take responsibility. I am called to take responsibility for the lost. Gustav in his workplace right now has taken responsibility for the lost. In your area of influence right now, do you take responsibility for those that are lost? You know, Philippians 2, 5, it says... Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be also in you, that was also in Christ Jesus. He came, he died for the lost. If you read down further in Philippians 2.8, and says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. And even death on the cross. He humbled himself and became obedient. Obedience. Sometimes being obedient to the things of God is actually going to be uncomfortable. Right. Yeah, wow. Do you realize that? Yeah. Being obedient to the things of God yeah. is sometimes uncomfortable. I just want to encourage you this morning, you know, if you're a Christian here, it's going to be smooth sailing. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It says you're still going to have challenges. Yeah. But also, too, going through those challenges, you're always going to have a helper. He's always going to be with you. 
You know, you have to do things that maybe you don't want to do. Has anyone been in that boat? God speaks and it's like, you know what? I don't want to do that. Send Dave. Like, really? Yeah, sometimes it's, it's like, and, and for some of us, we've been denying what God's called us to do for years, and he's still got that thing on your spirit, and he's still trying to draw you out. He's like, come on, I, I just, just want you to do this. You know, for some of us, yeah, I, I believe that we need to take responsibility for those around our life. You know, for some of us, we actually need to stop having coffee with friends and start having coffee with other people that we might be able to influence and come disciple. Right. Oh, hang on, that's gone too far. Let me step back. Let's not break up the friendship circles. But sometimes we need to do that. I don't say don't have friends, don't have circles, but make sure it's able to include others. Make sure others are always welcome and received. It's going to be uncomfortable. I was thinking about James 4, 7, 8. It says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him, it is a sin. Whoa. <laughs> okay. I love James. He just tells it how it is. Okay. If you don't do it, that's it. If God's asked you to do it and you haven't, you're disobeying him. Just calls it as it is. Yeah. And as I was thinking about this, is, a, is that I look at this and, and you have the concept of of sins of commission. It's, you know, doing... Sins of commission are, are doing what you should not do. There are those things that you know that you shouldn't do, but you do them anyway. But then also, too, you've got sins of omission. It's not doing what you should do. Do you realise that? You know, there, there are things that we do that, you know, that we shouldn't do, but then also there are things that we do that or things that we don't do that we should actually do. Yeah. Is that we can walk past certain things. For instance, you know, if, if there's a house on fire and, and it's burning, you know, and we walk past it and we do nothing about it, what would you call that? We actually have an obligation to pick up the phone and dial triple zero. At least. So then, too, is that when it comes to the biblical terms, when we walk past something and we do nothing about it, awfully quiet. Those things we walk past, we don't take responsibility for. Can land in that category if we're not careful. If we're not careful, it reminds me of Matthew 28, verse 18 to 19. Jesus came to them and said, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Go to the people of all nations and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think to myself, as Christians, this is what we're called to do. We are called to do this. And when the Spirit of God whispers into our spirit to share our faith, 
we are called to share our faith. When the Spirit of God whispers into our spirit to pray for someone, for healing, to pray for someone in no matter what area of their life, we are called to do it. You know, sometimes, and I believe this, as Christians, we are called to take responsibility upon our life for our own faith. We are called to take responsibility upon our life to share the gospel to those that are hurting, that is lost. You know, we have a world right now that is hurting and lost. We have a, a country right now that is divided, that is hurting, that is crying out, that needs a salvation, that needs a saviour to come. Today, will you take responsibility for those that come by your way? Will you take responsibility for what God has put in your hand? For those that He's cherished with you? Will you take responsibility for those ones? Miss Evangelia Pereira. Mrs. Pereira, that's how I know her name. She's an amazing woman. And a few years ago, she had Maya in her class. And Maya graduated out of her class. But I look at the responsibility that she has taken upon developing young people in the school. Like off her own time, every Wednesday afternoon, she runs a life group with about, I don't know, 20 so young kids. And out of those 20 young kids, they actually don't come out of her class. They are ones that come from different year levels and they sit and they speak about the Word of God. They talk about the Spirit of God. They talk about... And I walk in every Tuesday. I love it because I take Jesse in. He gets a free feed. They're feasting. But they're speaking about the Scripture. They're taking Scripture home. She has taken the responsibility of what God's called her to do and developing young lives. No one has asked her to do that. No individual, but God has spoken to a spirit to take that responsibility. What is God speaking to your spirit to take responsibility for? The shepherd takes responsibility for the lost. My second point is this. The shepherd brings restoration. The shepherd brings restoration. In this parable, we have a picture of the shepherd going out taking the responsibility to go out and find the lost sheep. What we find here is that he actually leaves the 99 in a field. He doesn't scatter the 99. The 99 are in a field. They're in a safe place. He he knows where they're at. He knows the, the state of their heart. He knows what they're doing. He goes and he finds the lost one. But the thing is, is when he finds the lost one, you know, he doesn't drag the lost one back. He doesn't shoo the lost one in. He doesn't get the cattle dog or the sheep dog to go and round it up and then bring it back. He goes over and he picks the sheep up and he puts it upon his shoulders. When I read that, I just imagine Jesus right now. Is that what did he do? He took hold of the cross and put it upon his shoulders. He puts the sins of the world on his shoulders and he carries it back to restore, He carries it back to the family of God. He carries it back so that it can have relationship again with the shepherd. He carries it back. We are called sometimes to carry those we love back. Do you realize that? 
When we find those that are lost, you know, they mightn't be whole. They, they might be, you know, they're hurting, they're, they're lost, they, they don't have a connection. But sometimes we are to lift them up and carry them back to restoration. You know, some of us right now have loved ones that we're praying for, that we're believing for. They're away from God, they're lost. But you know, right now, in your prayer, you can carry them back. You can carry them back. You can believe. You can pray for them. You can carry them in prayer. You can put a hedge of protection around their life. You can speak over their life. You know, we need to carry them back. A Spurgeon says this. He says, winners of souls must first be weepers of souls. When was the last time you weeped for souls? Give me souls or I die was one of the cry of the early evangelists in the 1800s. As Christians, we need to have a heart for souls. We need to have a heart for the lost. We need to have a heart for the broken. For those that are hurting right now, do you well up? Do you cry for them? Do you cry for salvations? Do you cry for those to be restored with their Heavenly Father? We need to carry them in prayer. For some of them, they might need to be carried physically. For others, they might need to be carried financially. And then some even emotionally. But are you willing to take responsibility? Are you willing to go out to those and carry them back to restoration? Are you willing? Are you willing to lay down your life? Proverbs 11.30, it says, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. I want to be called wise. Another version is this. Is live right, And you will eat from the tree or the life-giving tree. And if you act wisely, others will follow. If you act wisely, others will follow. Today, do you have the heart of the Father? The heart of the Father. God will use you and I to restore people back to Him. That's what He does. He uses you and I. Today, will you take responsibility for those that are lost, for those that are hurting? Will we be a church that will show God's love We'll stand in the gap. You know, we'll address those issues that need to be addressed, but at the same time, love individuals so that they come back to a heavenly relationship. Today, where do you stand? The lost, the hurting. Will you pray? Will you believe? 
will you cover them? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we have an amazing church. Lord God, a church that loves you, individuals that follow you. Lord God, a church that says that you are our saviour, you are our king, you are our Lord. Lord, you've carried us back. You've restored a relationship with each and every one of us, but God, give us a heart as you have, that we will find the lost, that we will take responsibility for the call that you've put upon our lives. Today, Father, strengthen us, breathe on us, speak to us, so that we can shout there is a hope and there is a future today, Father. Souls for your kingdom. Let us be called wise. Spirit of God. I believe right now God's speaking to individuals. Just where you sit. He's reminding you. He's challenging you. For some, he's giving names. For those that you need to start praying for. For others, he's prompting you to go and speak. Maybe it's to loved ones, to friends. Today, Spirit of God, speak to our spirit. That we won't be idle. In Jesus' mighty name. Just in this moment, just while heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here for the first time and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe it's the first time you've set foot inside church and you've heard me talk about the shepherd. A parable that Jesus spoke about. That parable is actually about you. It's about God wanting a relationship with those that don't know Him. And today, He wants to know you. He wants to bring you back to relationship with Him. That's been His heart for humanity ever since He created the world. And today, if you want to be included in that prayer and say, you know what, I want to connect. I want to know this God that would love me so much that He would send His Son. He would give His Son so that I could have relationship. I'd love to pray with you today. If you're like that today, I'd love you to just raise your hand just as I look across. 
Father God, you see the hearts in this place. You see individuals. And Father, for those right now that are believing upon you, maybe for the first time, or maybe again, Father, I pray that you seal it with your Holy Spirit, this relationship. Lord God, as they come before you and they repent of their sin and they come into right standing with you, Lord God, that you seal it with your Holy Spirit and that you move over each and every one of their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give them a hand. You know what? If you see me walking out this afternoon with a kid on my shoulders, you know what it's about. It's because I'm not leaving the one behind. Why? Because family matter. Because family matter. And when we find the loss, when we find the hurting, what we're doing is we're bringing them back to the family. We're bringing them back to the family where they belong. And so this week, I, I want to challenge you, is that when you share your faith, when you pray for those, when you start to carry those that you love, you know, you're putting upon your shoulders and what you're doing is you're taking the responsibility. You're taking the weight of the world for them and you're, you're walking them back and cover them in prayer. Bring them back to a relationship. Bring them back to family. Why? Because we are family. We are God's family. And this is where we belong. So let's have a great week. Let's go out praising God. So let's stand up and we'll see you all. And tonight, part two, don't forget water baptisms as well. Thanks.